Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Surviving Sister Wives, the podcast where a monogamous couple drink heavily while recapping Sister Wives on TLC. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is Season 18, Episode 6, The Understatement of the Year. The understatement, I think, here is that the Mary storyline was very boring. This was definitely a bridge episode, one that you have to watch, you have to struggle through, because there's good stuff on the other side. But there's that conversation with Cody and Janelle was very promising. A lot of people still don't know how to navigate conversations with narcissists. I don't think she does either. (laughs) She clearly does not, based on this conversation as well. I think it's worth reiterating, though, That Janelle and Cody aren't divorced, no matter what you would hear online right now, the rumblings of everybody's certainties that their relationship is over. Separated ain't divorced. We never got a divorce notification like we did from Christine and Mary. So it's not official yet. We're not jumping into anything certain here yet. Yeah, this episode made me feel a lot less hopeful about Janelle's ability to stick to her original plan. Especially when you take into consideration there have been other separations, extended periods of separation between Janelle and Cody in their marriage. This is not the first separation they've had. I don't think this one's going to (laughs) take. Well, third time's a charm? Maybe, perhaps. But the TLC description for this one is, Christine reveals she's hired a matchmaker. Mary makes plans to move her business, and Janelle asks Cody if he still wants a plural marriage. Because at this point, she has to ask about plural marriage. I think she has to ask in general, do you want a marriage? Because this ain't it. You know, this episode had potential. I wanted to see Christine with the matchmaker, but we just got talk of how she spoke to a matchmaker. No, 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 no. I need to see you firsthand answering questions, creating a profile. The bar is already set high. We are accustomed to Indian matchmaking, Jewish matchmaking. Netflix has given us a basis of what to expect, and we're going to need to see some bios. We're going to have to do an audit of Christine's dating bio. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and hear the Carly episode rewrite description for this one. Christine dives loins first back into the dating pool. We learn Mary's only friend is on her payroll. Cody forgets to bring Savannah's Christmas gift to Salsa Brava. Maybe he could just stop at the register and get her a gift card. It would save us all a lot of time. Announcements, shall we? You are welcome to join us anytime over in the virtual cul-de-sac at patreon.com slash surviving pod. You can listen to our recaps of seasons one through ten of Sister Wives You can listen to recaps of shows outside of the Sister Wives universe with our Let's Talk About It episodes. 
we just posted an episode of Mountain Monsters where they are attempting to trap the Mothman. Pretty impressive stuff. Also, we have, since we recorded that episode, been experiencing phantom doorbell rings in which a moth is setting off the doorbell. (laughs) See, because Carly was talking some shit about Mothman and didn't believe in the lore. And so since we've recorded that episode, every night we have been visited on our Nest doorbell cam with a two-minute video with a person detected and no person is on that video. There is, however, a moth. A small little moth will make an appearance. So that first one was a moth. The second one, I don't know what it saw. And just to be clear, this was not happening prior to recording that episode. No. So he's in there. He's in the Wi-Fi now. (laughs) Okay. What else about the Patreon? Every Sunday night at 10.05 p.m. Eastern, we are watching the new episode together. So come chat along with us in the Discord channel. Send your gifts. Send your snark. We're here for it. And if you like listening to this episode, you can check it out ad-free over at the Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash survivingpod. Every dollar you pledge makes us just a little more successful than my sister wife's closet. Maybe even Mary's businesses. Nondescript clothing lines, perhaps. Huge thanks to all of our patrons out there, except for the basement wife tier. Ooh, I feel like one last thing. Mary is holding a haunted house at Lizzie's Heritage Inn, her bed and breakfast. So if you have $50 to spare. That's not bad for most Halloween-themed evening experience sort of mischief nights. I mean, I guess we do know that we've heard them talk about a ghost. So this haunted house does have the guarantee of an actual real ghost that you may potentially encounter well i would say that probably the unspoken costs are it's fifty dollars for the ticket but it probably is going to cost you about twelve hundred dollars to get there (laughs) because it's literally in the middle of nowhere anyway you can learn more about that from mary over at Lizzie's Heritage.com. I'm guessing I don't think that we're URL. Be, I don't want to hawk the yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hawk her URLs. I want around. someone to go because I want to know how good this haunted house is. You won't catch me there, <laughs> unfortunately. It's time. Let's get into the episode. All right. So yes, we have Christine inviting Aspen, Mitch, Tony, and McKelty over to paint for Valentine's Day. And I think this entire segment can just be summarized by the caption in parentheses unintelligible audio (laughs) okay the audio in her new place is atrocious and i know that they're self-filming are they self-filming yeah it's a cell phone camera that's just on a tripod across the room so it's barely picking up any of these conversations that are happening it's all empty walls hard surfaces I can't take it. You need to get some rugs in there. You need to hang tapestries. Dampen some of the environment so that we were not getting so much room tone, echo, reverberation, a little bit more clarity on the audio experience. I want this place wired up like the Oval Office for Richard Nixon's presidency. (laughs) It was driving me nuts. Like it really bothers me when I feel like I can't hear, which happens often. Majority of the time. (laughs) Yeah, so this is a very non-romantic Valentine's Day, keeping in theme with what Christine is used to. That is exactly what this series has delivered so far. Non-romantic Valentine's Day experiences. I think what's interesting in this segment is that Christine is learning what healthy relationships look like through her children. And that's the biggest takeaway that we have for Christine's character growth. Well, and also they have to remind us that Valentine's Day is awkward as a polygamist. It kind of sucks, but it also kind of sucks just being Cody's wife. So those two things combined together. It's hard to separate on Valentine's Day specifically. Am I miserable because I'm a polygamist on Valentine's Day or just because I am married to Cody Brown? Right. You don't know. It's 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 hard to untangle those feelings. Yeah. It was awkward that they were painting. Because 
She says she's done this activity before with Cody and that she no longer owns the piece of art that they created. I don't like how vague that was. (laughs) Was it a body painting situation? Oh, no. Oh, but Christine would love that. Christine would totally be into that. She needs to put in her dating profile. Date idea. Did you notice, though, that they were painting whimsical trees? I have it in my notes. How many whimsical trees can this family paint? But where did Mary's whimsical tree that she painted for Christine go? Is that the painting that went in the trash? Did she forget that Mary made them for them? Oops, I lost it. It (laughs) didn't make it in the move. I I cannot imagine being Mary watching this episode and they are painting the same fucking painting you gave to this woman years ago. And yours is nowhere to be seen. MIA. Don't want it. Burn that shit. Didn't want it. Now, McKelty is, of course, a shit stirrer, which we've learned through the past few seasons. So she asks Christine in the most tactful way possible if she's going to move on and find a new husband. Christine's thinking about it. She doesn't have any dates lined up for this Valentine's Day. Not this year, obviously. But she has been seeing a matchmaker. Yeah, funny that you ask that leading question. I happen to have already contacted a matchmaker. Aspen's eyes dart over, and if looks could kill, it would be that side eye. Oh, boy. She clearly is not on board with Christine starting to date again. No, I don't think that this was a good idea. Well, I think... Christine shouldn't be having this conversation. It's great that she feels like this is her support system, her adult children. I don't think these are the people that you need to be having these types of conversations with, though. I feel like there needs to be sort of a neutral third party that we can share some of these feelings with and how we're navigating dating in our 50s. Yeah, maybe not something that kids can relate to. Where we've only been with dad and now we have to go out and date, which is why Christine is terrified of that idea understandably so well look who she caught the first time well and she was told her entire marriage that this is great this is wonderful and then also i'm not attracted to you and none of this is enjoyable i'm doing my husbandly duties so a little bit of mixed signals to say the least (laughs) not the most pleasant or romantic experience not ideal her new type though complete opposite of Cody Wynn Brown. She's looking for a big, bald, tattooed motorcycle rider. And she's also looking for something that Cody never was. She's looking for a partner. (laughs) That is something that Cody is unable to provide Christine. But is this kind of, is this a safety thing for Christine? Is she subconsciously choosing someone who's bald? So then that way when Cody meets them, He'll treat it in his mind as, oh, this is the person that Christine's settling for, who's like not as good as me, obviously, my wonderful locks of hair. He has to know by now that no one is jealous of his hair. But he's so comparatively vain that I feel like that would be important to him. Okay. He's misguided. I was thinking maybe it was because she spent so many years wishing Cody would just shave his head that she has subconsciously become attracted to bald men. That could be a thing. Could have been hard-coded in there. But why are we trying to settle down with just one person? Lucky for us and Christine, Tony is ready to chime in with some sage words of advice. Yeah, he kicks in with an ice cream analogy that I'm not really comfortable with. Taste the rainbow. Get yourself a little sample spoon and try every ice cream flavor that is available out there. This is where McKelty goes TMI and reassures us that Tony tried all the flavors before settling on her. First of all, no one believes that. I don't think that's accurate. Also, gross. Why are you telling your mom and your sister and your brother-in-law about how your husband sampled his way through St. George, Utah before he found you? Gross. Not a fan. Don't like the tone of this. Some yucky energy here in this conversation. (laughs) A lot of yucky energy. And Christine's trying to distance herself from that kind of thing because her self-esteem really took a hit being married to Cody. And she's just not sure. What if I'm bad at everything? Think about this. Every romantic and sexual experience that she has had in her life was with Cody. 
and he didn't enjoy it and made that known to her. So now she's worried. What if I can't even do the basics? What if I'm horrible at kissing? And I'm just finding this out at 50 years old. I think deep down, though, she was like, well, not everything, obviously. I mean, not everything. She's got a few books. She's got some tricks up her sleeve. Some toys. (laughs) She's a little freaky bitch. She's got some things to refer to. I think the main thing is that if you kiss the right person, it's impossible to be bad at kissing. Does that make sense? Oh, that was sweet. And she's been kissing the wrong person for 30 years. (laughs) Well, she's definitely nervous. And a little giddy about trying out some new ice cream flavors. I think this highlights the difference, again, between Christine as a parent versus Cody as apparently a parent. (laughs) Because Christine is honest and vulnerable with her children, and Cody is never able to do that. So I guess pros and cons to exposing this personal information to your kids? It's still TMI. Don't do it. Janelle. Janelle, different Janelle. Different Janelle. Janelle is mentally preparing herself to meet up with Cody. Again, they have not spoken since their big fight midway through December, and she's not really sure if they're going to be able to fix things. But she's just not looking to throw 30 years together away at this point. She's got the sunk cost fallacy right at the top of mind here going into this meeting. She usually just glosses over these types of fights and doesn't resolve anything, but something just seems different about this one. You can tell, though, she's not over it yet. She shouldn't be. No, not over the fight. She's not over Cody yet. Oh, that too. She should be over Cody at this point. But that's just the teaser for this. What, do you think we were going to go right to Salsa Brava? No, they're not even open yet. We have to go to the mayor B&B. Open 24-7. As long as you got cash. Open for business. And Jen is running the place, in case you forgot. Jen is Mary's BFF. You can catch her on Fridays with friends with Mary on a weekly basis if you just didn't get enough of her in this episode. And you might catch some hands if you're saying some dumb shit in the comments. You got to be careful. (laughs) Automatic block. They pull a pillow off of what I'm assuming is definitely a haunted couch. So it fits with the theme if you're going to be visiting there. Well, we know that Mary picked out the furniture, so it's either Titanic or sushi waiting room. No, this came straight from the Mortimer Goth collection from The Sims. Do you remember The Sims? Nope. (laughs) Someone is going to remember the Goth family. That one's not for me. Anyway, the pillow, it has a picture of Bonnie on it. And so they reflect on the fact that she's been gone for a year. And they clearly need to give this to us as a way to explain Jen's presence here. Oh, right. Because Jen took over after Bonnie passed away. Right. That's why Jen is here. She had to tag in. What are the odds that a guest actually left this pillow? Because that's what Mary attributes this to. Do you think that the haunted couch just materialized this? Yes. Instead, Mm -hmm. I don't think a guest left this. Do you think Mary had it made? Do you think Mary made it herself in the Americana craft room? Well, we're going to have to make some edits to the Americana craft room, too, because I'm I'm upgrading it based on a lot of things that are going to be happening here. So there might be a title change incoming. (laughs) All right. Well, they're talking about their plan to... Well, I think originally it was to poison Cody, but they can't talk about that on camera. No. Yeah, we don't want evidence of that. No. Instead, they're going to be moving Mary's LuLaRoe business, which they apparently cannot say on camera. Still can't, especially with all the heat from the recent documentaries. (laughs) They're going to be moving that to the B&B, which we found out in the last episode. So no surprise here. Now, we've already been talking to Jen for about three minutes, but they introduce her. In case you forgot, or in case you haven't been on Instagram for Friday with Friends. Jen explains her relationship with Mary, how it started. It was a murder-for-hire situation. The fake storyline is always more exciting than the real ones, especially in this case. (laughs) I wish it was real, though. Was she, like, secretly poisoning the homes for a period of time, but they didn't stay long enough because they decided to sell? Can't prove it wrong. Anyway, she apparently owned a bug murdering business and pest control (laughs) 
bug murder business. Yeah, that's murder for hire. That's where you go in the phone book to look that up. <laughs> hey, I want to make sure the job gets done right the first time. So she hired Jen and they just became besties from there on out. Remember the carriage house that they were all afraid Mary was going to go live in when she bought the B&B? Is she going to live in it now? <laughs> no, she's going to make it her own personal fajita cantina. Another one. They're going to put some clothing racks in here. They're going to get a Wi-Fi connection. And it is going to be exactly what Mary needs for her business. It's going to be the place to be, as it's known. No, I don't know why anybody was worried about Mary living in the carriage house. The carriage house is full of shit. (laughs) So there is no room for Mary to move in here. Well, you also can't fit the Titanic couch in that small space. Mary's not going to go from 4,000 square feet to, what, like 800 square feet? Yeah, that's a quite a downsize for her. And she's basically just trying to make room in the Fajita Cantina Americana Crafting Carriage House <laughs> for her LuLaRoe clothes. That's all she wants to throw in here. But she knows as soon as she mentions that she's moving her clothing business to the Mayor B&B, Cody is going to take that as her... Leaving the family. She has to live her life so worried about any move she makes because everyone is going to automatically assume that she is leaving the family. Even though she keeps telling them she is absolutely not doing that, this is about the fifth time that they will assume that she is permanently leaving them. And then it is going to come time when she does leave the family and they say, Ah, told you. We knew you were going to do this, Mary. Because even a broken clock is right twice a day. Maybe they just won't even notice she left. She's making this big to-do that everyone's going to care about when she leaves. Like, Cody definitely is not going to notice. Robin's going to freak out and Robin's going to make Cody freak out. Well, Robin's not going to notice until next Thanksgiving. So she's got some time to kill. Now, you could probably be back in town for that. You just make her think that you're living there. You see her three times a year. Mary's just going to have to set up her house like Home Alone with a couple of the little choo-choo train tracks and make it look like somebody's walking around in her house. So when Robin drives by, she can just see the silhouette of the Michael Jordan cutout (laughs) going past the, the windows there because Mary has blinds. Robin doesn't know what that's like. So she's easily deceived by what's behind the blinds. Another rager over at Mary's again. Yeah. A little concerned about her, but I'm not going to call her. Stop by. No. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time. We're heading to Salsa Brava, which is getting, I feel like, more airtime than any other restaurant that's ever been on this show. Is it the only place in Flagstaff that's open now? Did everything else shut down after COVID and they never reopened ever again? It's the only place they're allowed in. I think that's probably the more accurate answer here. But yes, it's time for the Salsa Brava showdown. And Janelle and Cody, she hasn't really missed Cody per se, because how do you miss something that's not around anyway? (laughs) But she pulls into that parking lot and does she have a purse full of bricks? The way that thing was swinging around. Oh, I'm not sure. No, see, what I noticed was when... You can tell how mentally unstable Cody is from the way that he whipped into his parking spot in that big old truck. I was confused. He parked right next to her. I know. He was trying to, like, keep her driver's door 
completely jammed shut so she couldn't storm out of there and leave in a hurry. I was scared for her. <laughs> yeah, it's not safe. Don't approach that side of the vehicle to get into yours. You're going to need an escort to the parking lot. No, and yeah, what if she was like trying to get out of the car when he's just whipping in there like that? It's very alarming. Janelle sits down first, then Cody comes in, and he starts off walking in, does not sit down yet, and says, Long time no see, which is some shit to say to someone when you haven't even called their child to wish them a Merry Christmas. If he started the conversation with long time no see, I wanted her to start the conversation with, uh, no. (laughs) I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. Goodbye. (laughs) But no, he follows it up with an even worse question. Can I get a hug? No, sir. You do not deserve a hug, but she stands up and gives one to him. And you can tell he came into this conversation with a plan to manipulate her back into his good graces. Oh, he's going to win her back. Mm-hmm. He's going to turn on the charm. He's going to turn down the anger. And he's going to get everything all fixed up, patched up the way that he needs to. Well, while he's on a roll, he sits down and he is appalled that the waiter had the nerve to leave two cold ice waters at the table for them. Which establishment have you been to that just leaves a boiling pot of water on the table or a hot kettle, anything just on the table for people to have? I don't think I've ever been to an establishment that has done that. I guess this is what his fourth time there. So by now they should have a little plate of lemons and some warm water for him. Yeah, he had that on his rider sheet for the TLC crew, but I guess the word didn't get to the Salsa Brava staff in time. This whole thing is just so passive aggressive because then he says to Janelle, there's like this awkward silence, and he finally breaks it by saying, didn't go so well last time we talked. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the understatement. That's the one for the episode. At this point, Janelle doesn't even understand the details of what happened in the pre-Christmas fight conversation because she was so shocked by how it all went down that her brain, like, didn't even fully process the conversation. That's a narcissist tactic to throw so many things at you that you don't even know what your fight was about when you do have a fight. They're just unloading. You're just left completely confused as to what happened. And then you're supposed to defend everything that they're saying. Cody tries to kind of apologize here. It's not a sincere apology that's happening. I didn't take it as an apology. I took it as an excuse. Well, I think Cody was embarrassed that it was on camera, but he's not embarrassed that it happened. That is the second time that he's had a reaction like that that was actually scary while on camera. So he should be embarrassed, mortified. But the reason that he did this was he's figured it out. He's transmuting grief into anger, which transmuting is the codyism of the episode. No, transmuting's a word. No, but he uses it oh. multiple times. Oh, yeah. He came here with a new vocabulary word, and he is ready to use it. And he was just waiting for Janelle to use the word one time, so then he could say that she's just using transmuting because... You heard me say it first. Just <laughs> copying him. <laughs> but no, this is Cody dangling the carrot because he knows that Janelle is upset with him, but she needs to see that he's growing and that he's realizing things about himself. It's such a big jump for Cody. Wow, such growth to see him own up to this behavior when he was fucking terrible and all these horrible things that he said, but he knows where that came from. That seems like a very emotionally adept person. Are you suggesting that our emotionally intelligent sister wife Robin maybe helped him craft this excuse? I think so. Mm. It was interesting because the what he was saying between the lines there was, it's all Christine's fault. The divorce has me treating you badly. So in the end, it's all her fault. But I do like that Janelle sticks to her guns right here because she's basically saying, that's cool. That's great. I still want to stay separated, though. As of right now, if I had to make a call for it, separation. That's where we would still be. And Cody seemed kind of shocked by that. 
I'm going to take back at the end of our last episode, I said that he looked relieved. No, this man was baffled. He really thought that he was coming here to talk to her and that she was going to be over it. I think he was shocked, but not necessarily surprised because they have had longer term separations in their relationship. The entirety of their marriage, they have had some doozies of some fights where they've stayed separated for months at a time. So it's not necessarily out of the ordinary for them. But this time it kind of is because this is because of Cody. In the past, whenever they've been separated, he tells us it was because of her relationship with her sister wives. Well, that's what he thought it was about. (laughs) I don't think we can go off of Cody's perception of those situations. Because if you asked Cody why they're fighting right now, he would say it's because Christine's leaving. Well, and exactly, this is how you end up being a person who is shocked that your wife is leaving you, even though for years they've been giving you signs and literally telling you that they're unhappy, but you've been choosing to believe an alternate universe of events. So this is where Janelle is starting to explain That she is open to counseling, but she just needs to stay separated right now. And this is all just open pathways for Cody to just keep shitting on Christine. This is Christine's fault. Christine left me out of nowhere. So at least you're being fair and reasonable, Janelle, and giving me a chance. Because does he not remember any of the therapy sessions that he went with Christine? No, I guess he doesn't remember that they literally celebrated an anniversary while on a retreat for therapy. With two marriage counselors that they had been going to at different times in history. I did feel like he was making a good point at first where he said they shouldn't pretend that nothing happened because that was the problem. This is where he brings Christine into it. That that's been a problem, right? Where you just move beyond things, act like they didn't happen, but there's still an issue. But then he starts unraveling about Christine and how the divorce went down and how he was blindsided, even though he'd been telling Janelle for years that he wasn't attracted to Christine. So Janelle is listening to him talk, but she knows this is all bullshit. So this is where Cody has to steer. Okay, well, if she's not taking this excuse that it's all Christine's fault and I'm all messed up from all this stuff that Christine, if we can't find a common enemy in Christine right now, then he's going to change up his tactics here and he's going to make this about, it was rejection. They were doing Christmas without him. It was Janelle and Christine doing Christmas, not with Cody. Cody wasn't allowed to be part of that. Janelle chose Christine over Cody, but that's where Janelle's like, just so you know, we didn't do Christmas together. We, Spent some time between Christmas and New Year's together. We didn't do Christmas morning together. That was separate. Also, they had the opportunity to do Christmas together, and he and Robin chose not to do that. So if anyone was rejecting anyone, it started in their household by not extending an invite. But this opens a door for Janelle to bring up Savannah. You have not even called Savannah for weeks. I was so excited that she confronted him about it. You have not called Savannah for weeks, including on Christmas. And Cody started to make an excuse because apparently he was not prepared for Janelle to bring that up because he did not have something at the ready. And there is no good excuse for this. So he's trying to make one up on the spot. It's not coming to him, and he just kind of trails off. No, it's indefensible, so he has nothing to say. But then he gets asked about this by the producer once he's had more time to think on it. And he starts to say, Christine and Janelle took away his home, where he connects with his children by kicking him out. So therefore, he has no place to connect with their children. So it's their fault. Then he goes off on a wild tangent saying some pretty crazy stuff about how Janelle only wants him for his body (laughs) and how he knows that she thinks he's hot and that he's got nice pecs and six-pack abs. That's all a deflection. Everybody could not believe the craziness that he was spouting off at this point in the episode. 
Everybody's talking about it. Everybody has commentary for it. Do not let that distract you from the issue at hand, which is that he has not called Savannah for six weeks. He did not come to Salsa Brava with a Christmas gift for her. He didn't even ask to see her. He has no intention of repairing or maintaining that relationship as long as Janelle is staying separated from him. That's the problem. That's what everybody should focus on. It was ridiculous. Does he have six-pack abs? Not really. So it was just crazy shit that he said in order to keep us off topic, right? Because no one believes that. It's to make you forget all of the horrible things he just said about not talking to Savannah. Also, will I get abs if I start drinking lukewarm water and lemon? If you don't eat anything else, maybe. (laughs) And you do like a thousand crunches a day, too. Sure. It was just ridiculous, especially Janelle, the wife who has had the least interest in anything materialistic, anything that has to do with looks, their entire marriage only wants him because she wants carnal knowledge of him. Gross. (laughs) Well, I like how that ends up being his answer to the producers. But then we do cut back to their conversation at Salsa Brava, and he is trying to formulate some other bullshit excuse about how he's been so busy with work and work takes place in the evenings for him and he can't see Savannah in the evenings after school because that's the only time she's available. What about on Christmas? (laughs) What about mock Christmas? What about the weekends? When you had all these people over. How do you think dads who don't live with their children spend time with their children? You're not the only person going through this experience, Cody. Apparently, they don't in Cody's world. Well, I have other questions because if Robin has a nanny and the kids go to school and his work is done in the evenings, what do Robin and Cody do all day? I don't think I want to know (laughs) (laughs) because it leaves you with very little guesses. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But then Cody gets so close to seeing the point. Cody interacts with Robin and her children because he's always at Robin's house. They're just there and it naturally happens. The reason why he doesn't see Savannah is because they have to plan it out. And we already know Cody doesn't schedule clearly. Yes, sir. This is why your wives kept saying we need you to spend time at our houses and not just Robin's house. Why is that not computing? He literally said The reason why everybody is saying you need to be at my house. Well, she has tenders and they don't. It's a very loose scale of tenderness for the (laughs) age ranges here because Robin's kids get nerfed super hard on that. Okay, so let's talk about our theory about Robin infantilizing her children so that Cody spends more time with them for a longer period of time. Well, that's always been the thing. And then they just keep making up different excuses. They were trying to say when they were first in the cul-de-sac, it was because, oh, Cody lived with all the other kids, the older kids extensively. We're just trying to make up for lost time. But now the story is he gives the younger kids more attention than the older kids because they need it. And it's always been like that. But that's not true. I'm just saying maybe Ari is walking around with a pacifier so that Cody gets confused about how old she actually is. Is she three? Is she eight? (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to tell. I loved that Janelle shut down his attempt to once again pull Christine into this conversation. Then she shut down rehashing what happened with Christmas. And now she shuts down Cody when he tries to bring up COVID. These are his speaking points. She is used to them now. And she came prepared to not address them today. Well, it was fun that every time Cody shifted the conversation to COVID or tried to, and Janelle would not let that happen because then later on they start arguing about things and Cody's throwing things in Janelle's face that are related to COVID. But then he gets upset when she tries to bring up some facts from COVID and her experience as well that was not beneficial in this setup because basically cody's trying to argue well if you just slip back into this dysfunctional system that has been working really great for me then it would be two nights at robin's two nights at janelle's and that's basically what it would be 
and everything would be even until I start getting bored. And then I'll just stay at Robin's house 100% of the time. And then you'll get upset and then we'll fight again. That's how this works. That's what you signed up for, Janelle. Yeah, that's not going to work for her anymore because if they're going to come back from this separation, she needs him to be a father to all and a husband to all. Even to the children who are, quote unquote, disrespecting Cody by not agreeing with him. So big question. Do you really still want to have a plural family? It is getting harder and harder to tell what your stance would be. So just when it got good, we have to take a break from Salsa Brava to go visit Mary and Jen at the B&B again. The Fajita Cantina Americana Crafting Carriage House. <laughs> they are trekking through what appears to be a quarter inch of snow. Should have brought my boots. My winter boots. Maybe Mary could have gotten a sled. That would have been something, huh? <laughs> I want to see her sled right into the front door of the carriage house. Oh, man. <laughs> So there is just so much shit in here because they've had one or two weddings out of the, I don't know, six years that they've been in business here. <laughs> so we just kept all that stuff because why rent chairs when you can buy them and own them and throw them into the carriage house and have to store them indefinitely? So that you have them to be a burden to you at all times. Wonderful. Yes. For this one event that we've had, the one wedding that required chairs. Well, they haven't even started. All they've done is thrown the doors open to this building and Mary's already overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed as well because, yes, there's just stuff everywhere. So what is the solution? Let's get more stuff. Let's get stuff to put the stuff in. Well, so I actually didn't think it looked that bad. Really? Yeah. I thought this is like a two-day project. It did not look like the inside of Robin's house. That's packed to the gills. I think it was just some of the placement of the items. There was a shop vac that was just on top of a pile laying sideways. And like stuff like that disturbs me. Well, it hasn't been organized very well. Yeah, it's not organized at all. But Jen has suggestions. We're going to get totes. Not just regular totes, big totes. Because Mary loves them. We know she has spent a hefty sum of money on plastic totes. Remember when she had to move out of her rental temporarily when the fire was coming and they were rushing to save the totes. We didn't start the fire. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to put everything in the totes. I guess the chairs are going to fit in the totes. And then we're just going to put it all in a storage unit. Were those two different ideas though? I thought, I thought the tote idea was the initial idea was let's get totes. Let's stuff all the stuff in the totes. And then the second idea was, or we could just get a storage unit and just move all the stuff out of here. Then you don't have any of this stuff in here. I guess, but you still need to organize the stuff you're going to put into a, a storage unit. Did it look organized in the carriage house? Are you just going to pick one item up at a time and move it? That is not efficient. They're just going to grab a bunch of stuff, anything that you can see, like it's a fire sale. Well, they really aren't sure how to do that anyway, right? Because this is an unfamiliar concept to the Brown family. Because they, instead of getting a $50 storage unit, they buy... Hundreds of thousands of dollars of unbuilt-on property so that then they can leave packed U-Hauls, which they are also renting at a daily rate, on top of it. That way it's rentals on rentals. It's good. But look, can we set this up in a way where I don't have to see this stuff and then I don't have to think about it? So I just know that there's a mess somewhere out there, but I don't have to deal with it? Out of sight, out of mind. It's been working for everyone else with Mary. <laughs> that is Mary's slogan. That is her life's work. Out of sight, out of mind. Well, she's got big plans for this place, though, because this is, I guess, now a commercial for Lizzie's Heritage Inn. She wants to add a commercial kitchen for events. So I guess when they have a wedding once a year, they will have chairs and they will have a full commercial business. A separate kitchen, which is what this family is founded on. Is Mary good at business? I think she's great at business. Because <laughs> as we know, it didn't go so well when they ran a business as a family together and they didn't have a clear leader. But Mary is the decisive decision maker at the bed and breakfast. Nowhere else in her life, only at the B&B. Because she bought this thing with zero support from the rest of the family. Whether you like it or not, I'm buying a B&B. Now she's kind of stuck with it. Remember, she didn't want to live there. She didn't want to run it. Which that's what's amazing to me is how every single Brown family business, 
the concept is we want this to generate so much income, but also I don't want to do any of the work. <laughs> so how do I outsource the work, but then keep all the money? That is the dream, though, isn't it? That's the goal. That's capitalism. Back at Salsa Brava, Janelle is still waiting for an answer from Cody as to whether or not he still wants to live plural marriage and have a plural family. But this just opens a door for him to complain. Once again, we have to hear about how he felt like Atlas. Atlas keeps shrugging over there, and he shrugged all this weight off, and nobody else picked it up because he's been single-handedly keeping this family together like Joe Darger. (laughs) Sure, right? (laughs) She's got the receipts, though. It feels like you only want to be at Robin's house. That's what I'm picking up from your behavior. And she does it in a tactful way. She eases into this because she doesn't accuse him. She says, it seems like it's probably easier for you to be at Robin's house the majority of the time. So that makes sense that you are at Robin's house the majority of the time. What she's trying to say, though, is we can't do that as the baseline. I don't love that she is making excuses for him, but it's the only way to have this conversation without him flipping out. You have to start somewhere you agree. You have to agree on something to initiate this conversation, because even though Cody assured her multiple times when they sat down to start this conversation, he's not going to get mad with her anymore. His anger is gone when it comes to this topic, because they already had their big blow-up fight. He said everything that he needed to say, so he's not going to get angry anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. What does he have to get angry about? Literally everything. Probably everything that you have bottled up. He's angry about the fact that there was cold water at the table when he sat down. Not angry, disappointed. (laughs) But, of course, the reason why he's at Robin's house, he needs to focus on the little kids, just not Truly or Savannah, who are both also minor children. And Truly is what? A year older than Saul? That's what kills me. Yeah. Any of the bullshit excuses that he's giving about the tender-aged kids truly is just about maybe a year, less than two years older than Saul. So whatever you're hearing from this man on that topic, throw that in the garbage. Then he finally admits something that, you know, I may have gone to an extreme And I shouldn't have asked for an apology with all the COVID stuff. And that was just too much for him. He started to apologize somewhat, and then he walks it back because he just can't help himself. And he says, I wish everyone valued Saul and Ari the way, he means the way that he and Robin do. But Chanel cuts him off before he can finish his sentence. Well, yeah, because she's like, yeah, it's comments like that, that you're making in passing. There's a lot of loaded assumptions and judgment that are in those comments. And that's not really working for me because he's trying to say, yeah, maybe I did go a little too far during COVID. Everybody's adults and they all had to make their own choices. But Cody's choice and the only choice that he had was to protect the babies. It's just such a problematic fucking statement because all we did was go back to square one of COVID, which is you guys don't care if you kill Saul and Ari. That's where this all started. Which then I would be immediately bringing up the vaccination topic at this point. Oh, and this yeah. conversation would go to hell in a handbasket. But what I love too about this is that Janelle immediately called him out on it saying, hey, that's the kind of stuff. This comment right here that you just made is very problematic. She called him out on it. So then what does he do? He immediately dismisses it. Well, that doesn't even matter. Since it didn't get me anywhere, Since now I don't want to talk yeah, about it's, it. It's, yeah, it's a moot point anyway. I didn't even, I don't care to bring it up and I don't want to talk about it anymore. A moot point. A moot point, a, a point a cow would make. <laughs> he really doesn't give her a clear answer at all as to whether or not he wants to continue to have a plural family. And she is aware of that. She's picking up on the fact that he has avoided answering the question. Well, they're not communicating. They're not hearing each other. They're misunderstanding each other, which is why Janelle's like, I kind of, this is why I want to have a neutral third party involved in these types of conversations 
So I feel like that would be beneficial. And we have to kind of tread lightly in this conversation so we don't get too worked up and don't misinterpret too many things that are being said here because we are starting to talk about some very serious things. Cody's still defending his position. He's blaming Janelle for him not wanting to be around her. Like he's taking that as a personal attack because I think what he's trying to say is that he wants to be around Janelle, but she wasn't loyal enough to earn him being around. And that's what he's upset with her about. Gross, Isn't it? But yeah, if he said that out loud, it would be a big problem. Well, he said it out loud in the past. And that's what she said is I didn't realize that I had to prove my loyalty in order to have my husband. So that's what he's getting upset because then she's talking about how, well, you don't want to be around. And he's like, well, I want to be around. It's just when you're not doing what I say, I don't want to be around. So like, how does that work? What is that? The real problem here, though, is that Janelle is a monogamist. She only cares what it's like when he's at her house. So that makes her a monogamist. I don't think that's the definition of monogamist if you look it up. But I think Janelle is independent and she makes that point too. She had to be independent because when nobody else is around, you kind of have to rely on yourself. So there is a level of independence that comes from this. And she doesn't ask for much. And that is clearly seen through the entirety of their relationship and documented very well on this show. But just her asking for some human decency that's going to be the breaking point for this relationship? (laughs) Correct. And you can't win with him because if you're focused on just what's going on in your house, you're a monogamist. But if you're paying attention to what he is giving to other sister wives in their homes and asking him to duplicate that in your home, then you are being a bad sister wife and you're annoying and you're Christine. You're a meddling bitch and you're keeping score. You jealous whore. (laughs) A bigger problem here, Janelle doesn't want to be friends with Robin. So then we start exploring the topic of plural monogamy. What is that? It's a new concept that Cody just made up on the spot. (laughs) So he's just going to kind of figure it out as we go along, I guess. So is that what Robin's parents technically lived then? Because Robin's dad lived in Vegas with his family that he essentially lived with full time. And then she and her family lived in St. George, and he would just come see them once in a while. And the two paths shall never cross. So that was plural monogamy. So then did Robin ever grow up with or live plural marriage? No, I don't think so. My favorite part here is that the one thing that Cody and Janelle can agree upon is that they don't want to reconcile with Mary. (laughs) And so that's the only thing. She wasn't even part of the conversation. She came up. At one point, because that was Cody talking about it with the producer on the couch. Pretty sure nobody wants to reconcile with Mary. But I mean, she didn't even come up in the aspect of like, as they're talking about what their family looks like moving forward. Oh, no. Mary never got mentioned. No, she is definitely separate. Divorcee. Well, speaking of separate, this is when Janelle tells Cody that she needs the separation because she's more aware of her own needs when he's gone. And I feel like a lot of people are having a hard time understanding what Janelle's meaning in that. And I think it's just because there's an element here where Janelle has people-pleasing tendencies and she talks a lot about when Cody comes around, all of her attention shifts to him. And it's almost like she loses herself in this relationship with Cody because she has to dote on him and interact with him and entertain him and make sure that his needs are met when he's around. Well, it's also really hard to get your head straight when someone keeps coming around and manipulating you. Plus, if you're upset about something and then you're trying to just get through the day, you're not going to fight in front of Savannah the way that they fought in front of the cameras. I hope not. I hope not. They're going to pretend like everything's okay and keep moving forward. That's how this has always worked. You sweep it under the rug, you ignore it, you don't address it, and you just move past it without anybody 
having any repercussions for anything that was said or done. His first reaction to this? The punishment did not fit the crime. Which killed me because he doesn't get it. Because she's talking about needing to have this separation to take a break to kind of give herself the room to figure out what she needs from her partner and in this relationship. The fact that he is seeing that as punishment for his behavior as a retaliatory response to how he treated her in their fight, he does not get it. Well, because that's what he does, though. He weaponizes his absence as a form of punishment against his wives and his children. Correct. So he just let that slip where this is, he's seeing it as a punishment because that's normally what he does. That's his move. Stealing another one of his moves, his words, his moves. You're only doing that because I did it first. (laughs) He isn't hearing the words that she's saying. She's telling him she's still really angry. She isn't sure that they can fix things. And she doesn't have any assets. She's basically telling you that she's only considering staying because she has no way out financially. Did you like the part where Cody accidentally let it slip? That he's talking about his house with Robin, that it's a bank asset. It's not his asset, even though I'm pretty sure that would count towards your net worth. Is, yeah. Is it part of your net worth? A it's, it's yours. It's think, an asset. I think it counts. But he accidentally says, I don't know if it was an accident or not, but he does let it slip. They need this to house their children for the next 15 years. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we not paying off Coyote Pass? Are we not building on the land? Also, are we not kicking Ari out when she turns 18? Like you attempted to do Janelle's kids? So he does think she's three. He said 15 years (laughs) when she's 18. The passy is working. (laughs) It's working. Also, I guess it is kind of like a bank-owned asset because they keep pulling all of their equity out of it. Well, and it's going to be a bank-owned asset when they come and foreclose on it, (laughs) (laughs) when you don't make your payments. And I love how it's so vital that he has a house for Robin's kids, but fuck Savannah. I guess she doesn't need a house. Nor a Christmas present. Nothing. She needs nothing from him. She's very self-reliant and sustainable. It's all about money, which we know from the beginning Janelle has always been about, right? She just wants him for his body, and she just sees him as a resource. She just wants all those Cody assets. (laughs) No, Janelle was always the earner in the family. So she's like, where's the return on my investment? I just keep throwing money into this sinkhole. And the saver. Good Lord. She Remember when she wouldn't buy new sleeping bags to go on a trip? Because Robin's wedding was coming up and they had to pay for it. Needless to say, she is baffled when she watches him say that in her couch interview. How incorrect is this assessment? It is so wildly out of place where he's taking this as, oh, if he can't provide everything for Janelle, then he doesn't have any value as a husband to her. That's never been the case. What she's saying is our finances are a mess and I have nothing. It's a big problem. I feel like she walks away with nothing from this relationship. And honestly, for the relationship that it is, walking away with nothing is net positive. Time to bring Christine back into it because it's been about eight minutes. (laughs) Well, yeah. I don't like that he keeps bringing up Christine while he's like aggressively eating beans, too. (laughs) So it was just kind of, it's off-putting. Is it? A little bit. A little off-putting? Yeah, Maybe Janelle someone is. should tell him that it's not attractive <laughs> to watch him shove black beans down his throat. Like when he wrote in their book about how unattracted he was to Christine while she ate chili cheese nachos. Yeah, there's something off-putting. <laughs> it's a little unsettling. But Janelle is over it at this point because this is probably like the ninth time that he's brought up the Christine divorce and how this is all Christine's fault. And she just doesn't want him to keep bringing this up. But he's got a reason for it. He's telling her, Christine's going to find someone to date and vomit all over them about her divorce. Now, look, I know Christine is a freaky bitch, but I don't think vomit play is her (laughs) style necessarily. Now, role play, I think that's her game. Oh, I think Christine would love some role play with full costumes. Just a little light bondage. Mm -hmm. Just fun. Spice it up. Nothing too scary. Nothing scary. But just some control. He is doing that right now. He is vomiting all over Janelle about his divorce with Christine. And if he's not careful, 
with that spoon and with those beans, he might literally be vomiting all over this table here. So please be careful. He's got to know. He's got questions. He's getting different versions of what happened when they lived in Vegas. It was good when we were in Vegas, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Cody's trying to navigate down memory lane here, but he doesn't remember either. So he has to ask Janelle. It was good, wasn't it? He thinks that not treating her badly 100% of the time excuses his bad behavior. Remember? That was good. Remember? That was that was a good couple of years. Apparently he was sprouting poetry at her, which is a very Ken move. They had a renaissance. I don't want to know what that means. <laughs> I think we do know what it means. I think I know what it means. And I don't want to know. That but... ponytail went in and they had a renaissance. No. <laughs> No, I thought Ren Fair was over at Christine's house with her uh, her gown, her princess in the pea gown. This is a pattern that Janelle has identified, and she just doesn't want things to be swept under the rug like in the past. She doesn't want to do that, but that's exactly what Cody wants her to do. But that's exactly what he's trying to do right now with trying to remind her of how great things were at one point in time. And he's so confused. Why can't we do that? That's what we've always done. And it's worked so well. It's got us here. By the end of the conversation, it feels like Janelle is open to reconciling with him more so than she was at the beginning. It went better than she thought. Well, she's telling him that she misses him. She misses their conversations. She misses him in her bed. Maybe she does want him for his body. The pecs, the abs. Partially. Does she have an astigmatism? She has needs. And then he tries to flatter because she's already on the path. He thinks he's pulling her back in here. He's trying to love bomb her. You didn't think that I missed you or that I wanted to kiss you on the lips? Not those lips. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Remember the Renaissance? Oh, God. (laughs) The Dark Ages. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks their meeting went well. Even though he fully expected to reconcile here today. And that didn't happen. And things should continue to move along on a good course. As long as he doesn't get triggered and react in anger ever again to anything. Smooth sailing. Which I did not know that that is a way to work through those emotions. Where if you see a trigger coming, you just tell it to stop. And you say, no, don't. No more triggering. We did make progress, though, because he didn't slam the door shut at the end of this talk. Instead, he holds it open for her as they leave. He did, Didn't he bring up Christine one more time before they did wrap up this conversation, too? I thought... Who knows? Probably. I, I'm assuming that it did happen, but oh, my god! He probably talked to her all the way out until they got in the cars. But then Cody's assessment of this, too, is that Janelle's enjoying her freedom too much to let him back into her house. Is that what we determined? Isn't it the same level of freedom that she's always had because he's just never around? But now he's upset because she's choosing to not have him around. He liked it better when he chose to not be around her. Exactly. Now it's personal. Janelle's recap of the meeting, though. I'm ready for something that's better for me out there if he doesn't change. Janelle needs a counselor. She needs reinforcements. But this is very, very difficult. I think Janelle is finally coming to the realization, though, that she does not want to put all of the effort into this if it's just going to be completely her own work to make this a success. She's going to need a partner to work on things with her. So step up, shape up or ship out. Next episode, Janelle meets with Christine and reveals that she doesn't want to be married anymore. Mary nervously tells Robin that she's moving her clothing business to Parowan, Utah, and will spend less time in Flagstaff, believing Cody is done with her. That was the most written and delivered scripted line that Mary has ever had was at the end of this episode. There's no question about it, Robin. He's done with me. (laughs) Well, she's been... Working on her affirmations, (laughs) this is something she's been telling herself every morning. It was the intrusive thought that ended up being an affirmation. It slipped in there. no question. He's done with me. So that's not good. And another conversation at Salsa Brava. I think if Cody's right about one thing, Christine will be bringing a date to Salsa Brava because that's the only place to go in Flagstaff. 
Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to chat with us about the episode on our Discord channel by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash survivingpod. Stay tuned, share with friends. See you next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.